Welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, last week we mixed it up, no Charlie, rewarded with a victory, so we're back to that try and trusted policy this week. How are you, mate? Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the end of Charlie after that, (laughs) Um, I think, as you say, um, back to to winning ways um, and yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to start the week having having one at the weekend, G. Mm, yeah, what a difference a week makes. As you say, our first victory of the season, 17-33, at six ways against Worcester Warriors. Up to sixth in the league, Tom, it's not all doom and gloom, eh? Not at all. You know, I think a uh, bit of a bit of a blip to, to, to start the season. Um, very disappointing opener, as we've, we've spoken about, and then beaten by a better side. Um, against Exeter, I think it's really important to you know get the season off to a off to a start. Um, and now you know um, a break from the Premiership, a couple of a couple of weeks in in Europe, and some guys potentially returning for from from international duty for those games. So um, all up from here, G. I mean, yeah, just looking at the table, the the teams we've lost to are the teams that are the, the first two in the league now: Newcastle and Exeter, the only two unbeaten sides. Newcastle won again, didn't they? Mm, so they they beat Wasps away. So yeah, remarkable start from Newcastle, and maybe makes that that first weekend defeat uh, not look so bad. Well, if, you're, if you're a Leicester Tigers fan, um, you'll be looking at those results and uh, um, and potentially, you know, uh, one of the great clubs might be um, might be relegated looking to next season. G, Can you imagine mm. that? Well, I mean, it would it would be glorious, but uh, I think Worcester Warriors, based on the performance we saw from them on Saturday, need to start taking some chances, otherwise they could be in, in some problems. Well, as long as Ealing get promoted, um, I, I won't mind too much. <laughs> yeah, and Northampton Saints, bottom of the league, winless. I mean, they, they've got some problems to sort out as well, but uh, let's focus on the boys in blue, black and white, Tom. We're going to talk a little bit about Bath's European return of, uh, of the weekend facing Scarlets, but let's dig into to our first victory. Let's bask in the glory of that first victory, Tom. And I think it was important for us to, well, I certainly thought it was going to be important for us to to get a fast start, given the, the crowd that Worcester had, the 2,000 in attendance at Six Ways. But it didn't happen like that. I think Bath looked a little bit sluggish out of the gate uh, and had two key injuries in the first 10 minutes with both with both Josh Matavesi and Reese Priestland going off for HIAs. Just how disruptive was that to, to Bath, Tom? Yeah, yeah uh, obviously really disruptive. We'll, we'll get on to that. I think the first thing I would say is, you know, it was so nice to see and hear hmm. uh, fans back in, back in the stadium. You know, I think having spoken to you know a few a few friends who you know aren't as as rugby uh, as rugby mad as 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 we are, G. Um, I think they have been fairly turned off um, by the lack of crowds and you know perceived kind of lack of atmosphere. And I think that's been reflected in the club game, but also in the in the international game. So um, yeah, I thought you know a very kind of reassuring and an almost comforting buzz of the um, the crowd. I thought at, at six ways. Um, although yeah, they did uh, did start to get quieter as the as as the match uh, as the match wore on. 
How much of an impact do you think the crowd actually has on a game? So both on the tee and also on, on the referee? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. I mean, they're, they're all professionals, aren't they? So you'd, you'd, you'd have to say, you know, not not much um, or, 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 you know, not as much as maybe we would we would expect looking from the outside. Um, but but clearly, I think if you're a you're a home side in particular and, and you've got you've got kind of fans cheering you on it, I potentially feel as less like kind of a training game. You know, sometimes I think when. Um, when, when we've watched games without crowd noise or anything like that, it can kind of feel like a you know a training game or a preseason game. So maybe it does add a kind of an extra level of of intensity to it. Um, on the well, uh, I'm sure you've got some strong views on the the refereeing side. I think those guys are far too professional, G, to um, to 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 make any decision based on the crowd. And I actually think Tom Poe did a good job at the weekend. Mm. I'm convinced that they get two penalties a game, the crowd. And it's not because the referee feels like he has to give a decision a certain way because he's in that environment. It's just because with the replay going up on the big screen, if there's an out, if there's an outroar from the crowd, the referee is so much more likely to go and look at it. I think there was one in, in the second half where Max Wright got pinged for a high tackle going down the left wing. And it was a little bit of a seatbelt seat tackle, but it was missed by the AR, missed by the ref and missed by the TMO. And the Worcester fans, credit to them, were went absolutely berserk when they saw that on the screen. And I'm convinced if they hadn't been there, that wouldn't have been a, a penalty. But that work, works both ways. And it's just one of those things that kind of helps to be at home, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, um, as you say, I think the the players as well um, uh, these days appeal um, enough to the referee, unfortunately, that you know to, to check their decisions and to, to refer stuff to the the TMO. That I think that has had kind of a kind of increasing impact as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, overall, as you know, as a rugby fan and you know, obviously wanting people to to watch Premiership rugby and get involved, I think having the the crowd back is. Um, obviously, very very good for yeah. for the game and for growing the game as well. And it was um, it was really good to see to see fans back both at Six Ways and and also at, at mm. Twickenham as well on Sunday. And there'll be two thousand back at the exactly, Rex for yeah. Scarlets um, recording this on Monday night. The ballots today, isn't it? The ballot yeah. and results announced today, and then uh, we'll be applying for for tickets for I think it's tomorrow on Tuesday when they come out. So fingers crossed that we get either to that game or at, to the Rec at some point. This season, Tom, I touched on on those injuries there. So Josh Matavesi initially off with a HIA and then Reese Priestland off in the first 10 minutes. How does Morris get away without going off the field for, for that tackle, Tom? Crazy. Yeah, yeah the, you know, kind of a lot of, um, um, what was the phrase you used? Outroar, I think it was, um, uh, on Twitter um, about that particular tackle, particularly as, you know, Charlie Yule said, obviously... yeah. Um, got the yellow card the week before. Um, I think, well, it, in, in my understanding of it, the difference was that, um, you know, in the tackle, Morris is kind of hinged and bent down when he makes the tackle, whereas Charlie Yule's um, kind of flies in a bit more upright. Um, the difference really, though, is because, you know, Charlie Yule's is an 18-stone man hitting, you know, a 12-stone um, Adam Radwan. And you know Morris is Morris is probably yeah you know, he's probably got a four or five stone weight advantage Charlie Yules he's come on he's he's pissed off because he's club captain and, and we're really you know we're we're playing poorly and he smashes him great shot um, but ultimately you know he doesn't um, he doesn't make a, a, you know it's not a conventional tackle and he basically just runs upright at him and and hits him whereas you know Morris 
the impact is, you know, even though Priestland got knocked out, I think arguably the impact is less of a mismatch. Um, and I also think because Morris bends down, that's kind of um, what in the referee's mind was the mitigating factor. Yeah, so, so the mitigating factor takes it from a red card to a yellow card. So contact with the head for a high tackle goes instantly to either red card or yellow card. There's no way that contact with the head can be ruled as a rugby incident, clearly outlined in in the decision-making framework. How Foley gets to that decision is remarkable. It's clearly outlined. If there's a shoulder to the head, it then goes to degree of danger. And if that degree of danger is high, it's a red card. And if the degree of danger is low, it's a yellow card. And he could easily have said... Yes, that's a high shot on the head, but there's a mitigating factor in that he clearly drops his height prior to the tackle. That can reduce it down to a yellow card, and that's exactly the right decision. But to get a rugby incident out of that, when we've been clearly told the week before that head-on-head is a yellow card at least, and it's clearly outlined in the decision-making framework that head-on-head is a yellow card at least, is is frankly a, a, a baffling decision. Oh, I, I yeah, I, I, I'm you know, and as someone who watches the game every week, I'm still not completely clear on on what the rules are, which I think speaks to how convoluted they are. I thought that if there was um, head on head as opposed to kind of shoulder on head, for example, in, in the action of making a tackle, I thought that could be deemed as a a rugby incident, as it's called, and that there's no um, that, that there can be no um, necessary not there's not necessarily a sanction. Sorry. Um, so so a high tackle, high tackle defined as an illegal tackle causing head contact, where head contact is identified by clear contact to the ball carrier's head. Okay, and if that contact is made by either the shoulder or the head of the tackler, that goes straight to either high or low danger red or yellow card. So head on head, minimum yellow card. Yeah, and that was clearly head on head. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to see the, you know. Um, you know some clarification on that I mean you, you provide a clarification but it'd be interesting to um, see if anything is is made of that you know I, I know um, kind of earlier in the uh, or, or late last season kind of some of the um, decisions were kind of officially clarified I think Wayne Barnes for example was putting mm. stuff out there to clarify the specifics and different nuances of different laws um, I, if, if that's correct as you kind of outline it then absolutely right I think that should be a mm. look, my problem with it is that incidents like that happen all across the, the mm. rugby field. Um, there were it was a really physical game up front and particularly when you're getting the you know the pick and go and the pick and drives that we saw, mm-hmm. particularly from Bath, there are so many incidents where, you know, there is contact with the head made in a tackle. Um, when players mm. are obviously going in head first into the tackle. It's it's unavoidable when the game's played at that intensity and at that speed. Um, and you know the difficulty for me is that it's only when it's so obvious and mm. when it's kind of you know, one guy gets gets smashed, basically, mm. the, the decision gets made. You know, you, there are a few instances when Mike Williams, I remember, carried really strongly and, and quite upright as he does into the tackle. Um, and he would, you know, it was there was certainly his head got kind of jolted back a few times as he went into contact as um, as the collision was made. But, you know, nothing gets gets made, at, made of it and nothing gets looked at it at all. So I think that's a wider problem with the you know, the laws of the game and the rules. But the problem is that once you start looking for all these, you know, these, these, um, these technical incidents and these technical definitions, you will find them Mm. anywhere on the field uh, in any game. I agree. And and, and that was kind of the point I was trying to make last week uh, or two weeks ago, sorry, when, when Charlie Ewells was given his yellow card and that those sort of incidents happen all the time. But I think the difficulty from the Bath 
Bath fans' point of view, is that we saw an incident one week and were told one thing, and we saw a similar incident two weeks later, and we're told a different thing, and I think that lack of consistency really needs to be cleared up. Yeah, that's the thing. Especially when he goes to the TMO. Well, that's the thing, and you, you want consistency in these decisions. I mean, you don't have to agree with the laws, but you want exactly. them to be applied consistently and correctly. Um, well, what, the, out of interest, then, why was Charlie Yule's mitigated down from a red card to a yellow card in, in the instant last week? I can only assume that they thought that he, the, the ball carry, uh, made a, a sudden drop in his height, which meant that Yule's... <laughs> Couldn't be much, only about a foot already. Um, <laughs> but but had... Yule's, because I, I, I think Radwan sort of crouched down, so I don't know what the myth, I can't remember what the mitigation was, but in the in the uh, framework, there's a number outlined, and they must have um, uh, decided that there, there was one of those. Yeah, um, as I say, I, yeah, if, if, if you're kind of you know cor- correct on that and ultimately didn't influence the result of the yeah, game it'd yeah, be interesting i'd be really interested to see kind of the the framework outlined and, and then see kind of the decision making um process that's that's that, that was actually made as part of that because you know you've got up a little flow chart there yeah. and, and these are professional referees and if they're getting that wrong when they go to the tmo um, that doesn't quite seem even believable to me, to be honest. I, I know, and I'll tweet out this this uh, flowchart that uh, World Rugby put out a while ago, uh, so you can see kind of see for yourself. And I think you're right; some clarification would be appreciated, but I think it's unlikely. And 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 of course, this didn't have an impact on the game, but I think it is sometimes important to to point these out. If if that had been at the end of the game, for example, and it had been a key decision which had gone against us, Bath fans would have been fuming. So I think it is important to point it out, even though clearly didn't have a very big impact on the game uh reese Priestin going off though tom did have a big impact on the way bath lined up so with matavesi also going off that meant that our two fly half options were, were off the field so we ended up lining up with cam redpath playing at fly half big mac roy mcconaughey playing at 12 and max wright playing at 13 and i think was it not McConaughey at thirteen? I thought. Well, I, I, I can't. I don't know if it was McConaughey or Wright at thirteen, but but one of the two. I, I would assume that they'd want a trusted centre to play in a more of a difficultly defensive position. But maybe they switched it up. I mean, Big Mac, what can't the man do? Exactly. So that was our our, our kind of uh, midfield framework throughout the for the rest of the game. And I think the game kind of could have got away from us in that early period, Tom. I think Worcester blew, blew, blew a, a number of key chances. So a penalty which they got, which was kind of within a yard of our line, which Ben Spencer gave away. There was a knock-on, which kind of just went forward, and Venter ended up scoring, but they came back for the knock-on. Perry Humphreys made that break and then dropped it. They made another break within five metres, and Duncan Weir chose to cross-kick it as opposed to keep it in hand. And there were two lineouts that they blew in our five metre line. Kind of did Bath get away with 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 one in that first period of that first half? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think Worcester looked, you know, really really dangerous actually early mm. early doors. Um, uh, yeah, I thought you know they they clearly came out of the blocks kind of very very quickly and, and were playing um, a fast paced game. Um, and I also think you know by the same token, our defence looked kind of remarkably. Um, you know, porous and, mm. and kind of passive, um, as we've kind of spoken about a couple of times. I think, you know, Neil Hatley in the review, you know, despite the result, will be really concerned um, with that. I think Worcester had 19 clean breaks in the in the game, which when you're, you know, when you're you're, you're losing comfortably five tries to two or three or whatever it was, um, 
you know, speaks to those defensive frailties and also speaks to the fact that they, you know, they they had loads of opportunities. And there was strange, a couple of strange instances when um, I think it was Humphreys got through and his, his gum shield had come a bit loose in his mouth. Um, and so it was almost kind of half out of his mouth and he was he was kind of biting down on the on one side of it. And I think he was kind of um, preoccupied with, with that, obviously being slightly strange. Um, and as he was doing it, um, you know, kind of um, Freddie Burns style, just completely dropped the ball um, uh, um, without any, um, you know, without without anyone really near him. So um, that was that was a strange one. Um, and you know, I think Alan Solomon's when they look back at it will be pretty fuming that they didn't take advantage of the opportunities because you know those changes we had to make, we needed to settle down. And if yeah. they scored two or three tries early doors, suddenly we're on the we're on the the back foot there. Yeah, a completely different game if they take a couple of those chances. I agree. It, it kind of takes away all of our confidence. But I think we were able to keep the game 3-0, really gave us a boost. And I think when you go to having basically no fly half or no recognised fly half, your scrum half needs to play really well and control the game. And, you, and, your pack, and your pack, more importantly, your pack needs to bully teams. And I think that is exactly what happened as the game played on. A pack which had been bullied over the course of the previous two weeks. Tom Dunn spoke about that in the week, how they were disappointed in themselves, particularly after that Exeter game. But I think on this occasion, the pack stood up and were fantastic on the day, Tom. Something you must have relished. Yeah, absolutely. It was a you know a brilliant response. I think the other thing you need to do in that situation is be be really clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know that that Mercer try was the first time that we'd been into the Worcester 22 in the game. And what was that on sort of 20 minutes, um, 20 yeah. minutes or something? Yeah. So um, you're absolutely right. And the, the you know, the driving more game was um, a serious weapon. Um, I don't know if that was kind of the plan before to use that um, or whether we kind of focused on that kind of aspect of the game when we realised that, you know, we, we'd had to completely rejig our, our backline. Um, but yeah, it was, it was brilliant. I thought the line out functioned really effectively Elliot Stoop coming oh. back into the starting lineup was used 11 times oh. um, as a jumper in the line out um, you know he, he, he loves it doesn't he he loves getting the ball and um, pull it, pull it, pulling the boys in he's great yeah um, he brings a certain energy I think that, that we don't necessarily get from McNally or Yules or, or um, Spencer or even Williams when he plays there I, I think Stoop's really important player for this team he is I think it, it you know it's, it's obviously very very difficult to so, well, you're not going to leave out Charlie Yules. He's, um, you know, club captain and um, one of the best second rows um, in the country for sure. Um, and Josh McAnally for me is Ooh. is one mm. of the one of the most improved players. Um, he has come on leaps and bounds over the last season and a bit um, since he joined. Um, he had a phenomenal game for me as well. Leadership he's, for McNally. Yeah, really. He's obviously been captain captain before London Irish. Um, seems like he's now kind of the preferred option when when Yules is is not around. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Kind of really leads by example, kind of captain, similar to Charlie Yules. He's always the first man there in in defence. He's extremely physical. Um, he was really, really uh, making his presence known in, yeah. in on the gain line. Um, so I thought that that pairing actually worked really well. You know, McNally kind of probably the the better defender and, and probably the more physical of the two. And then Elliot Stook, you know, really. Um, effective, effective lineup forward as well. So we're, you know, we've certainly got some some talent in that department and some talent coming through with young mm. um, Ethan Stadden coming off the bench at 18 years of old or whatever. Um, and I thought he he looked um, 
a bit of a prospect as well, actually, as well, when he came on. So Yeah, born in 2002, mate. Only a year old when we won the, the Rugby World Cup. I'm sure that's making a few of our more senior, or not even our more senior, a few, most of our listeners feel mm. pretty old that a guy born in 2002 has just made his debut for Bath. But yeah, the driving rule, Tom, was absolutely key. I think all but one of our tries came directly from a driving rule. So I think three of them were from driving rules inside the five metre line where eventually it came out and we ended up picking and going. One of our tries came from a driving rule in the second half where it was the threat of the driving rule and then Dunn broke to Spencer to Rocket Aguni. And of course our other try was just from a Worcester error. So yeah, the driving rule, absolutely pivotal. And I think that probably would have been our game plan going in anyway, but it had to it was kind of accentuated by the fact we had no recognised fly half and, and a rejig back line. And I thought the pack really, really deserve a lot of credit for that performance. Yeah. It was fantastic. It's an interesting one as well. It was almost as if, you know, shortly after all the changes and the, the rejig had been made, that we started to to dominate. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's maybe a couple of things going on. And the, the preparation, obviously, looking at the opposition is now kind of so in detail. You know, they have all these analysts watching computers for hours and hours every week to try and break down what's going on on the opposition um, defensive line and set piece and that kind of thing. And, you know, Worcester would have looked really, really closely at our back line. Some of the frailties, you know, our propensity to kick with with Priestland and, and then Matabasi off his left foot as well. So I do think there's, there's an element of when stuff changes um, so drastically, almost Worcester's game plan potentially would have been thrown off a little bit. Um, and I, I think we saw that to some extent. Obviously, the other side of that coin is that we chose to focus, as you said, on you know the driving mall, the set piece, and a much more physical game. And I think they they couldn't live with that. But I think yeah, it was it was um, you know it was it, it was interesting that you know that all the pressure they were putting on in that first quarter um, kind of began to um, came, came to nothing ultimately, and then we really had the dominance after those changes were made. Yeah, I think there's maybe something to be said of that. My mind instantly goes to Bath's defeat at home to Wasps, yeah, where they had similar thing. And I don't know whether it's the fact that it puts the other team off the game plan, or maybe it galvanises the 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 team that have had all those changes. It did feel like Bath. It's kind of circle the wagons moment and kind of all rally around together. Focus on what your strength is. Keep it very simple mm. and, and kind of stick together. I, I think that showed in the body language of the guys. They look much more energetic than they have in the past two weeks. Zach Mercer, yep. Tom Dunn, these guys spring to mind for me. I remember uh, an England-Wales Six Nations game and I think mm. they had a, a whole... I know, it was the, the World, World Cup, Cup game. Yeah, 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 yeah a whole yeah. bunch of injuries. And um, I think Gareth Davis or something was on the wing and it was, you know... Um, uh, you know they were feeling very um, hard done by the Welsh, even more so than usual. And that's when they, that's when they, you know, galvanised came together. And obviously we know what happened. So um, yeah, I, I think there's that. And there's also, you know, we had a few big moments in that game. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was one, I think, kind of towards the end of that first half when Duncan Weir found an unbelievable touch finder uh, from sort of the halfway line down into the right into the corner. Um, they had the driving mall. You know, it was, it would have been a, a pretty prime time to to score I think it would have taken it back to kind of 10 14 or something like that um and you know we we didn't we didn't compete um we backed ourselves the whole of them all Josh McAnally managed to get through the the middle and get on the ball yeah um and we won the the scrum and then won the penalty from that scrum and kind of cleared our lines very effectively um and I think you know it's it's moments like that that when your backs are against the wall with with injuries and and you're able to to turn something like that around 
um, like you say, it does have that kind of galvanizing galvanizing mm. effect. Um, and you get Worcester, on the other hand, who are kind of making a lot of errors and we're kind of capitalizing on them. So I think that, you know, Max Wright yeah. kind of obviously pressurizing and then just taking that easy try. And that's so demoralizing if you're Worcester. Um, you Especially know. if they started so strongly. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I mean, as you say, the tide starts to turn quite quickly and then obviously to get the try on half-time, mm. such an important time to, to score, as we always say. So I think that kind of sealed the game, to be honest with mm. me, at that point. Yeah, it, it, it did feel like the, the game was was definitely going in our favour at that point. Uh, and and it, the, the, it, I think we played our best rugby actually coming out of half-time in that first 15 minutes where they had almost no possession or territory and we were banging the door down eventually awarded with the, the bonus point try from Stuke and then the, the, the final try by Rocco Aguni again the threat of them all Tom Dunn breaking oh. to, to Spencer Tom talk us through the, the offload from, from Tom Dunn that's got to be a set move now hasn't it I mean <laughs> let's not stick up the jumper let's just get Tom Dunn um, you know magic hands what is it Danny Cipriani with his uh, golden wrists should be, uh, should be Tom Dunn I think after that um, yeah, it's just good awareness of space. We've we've spoken before about how sometimes a attacking game can be too easy to telegraph, and um, I think we saw that on a few occasions when you know guys got lined up a bit because yeah. it was so obvious where the ball was going, and and I think at, at times the speed of pass probably wasn't that good. Um, so I think yeah, that's something that clearly Ben Spencer has has brought you know heads up rugby, I think, um, and taking opportunities. And you know he saw that it was on blindside. Tom Dunn executes the skill perfectly as usual and then um, yeah I think you know there's probably not many better sights really for for rugby fans than than seeing Rocco de Guni kind of stream down the right wing um, to score his uh, 51st uh, Bath try and you know mm. it, it's been a long time coming for him he only scored <laughs> once last season <laughs> um, so it's good to see him him get under and I think he's had a kind of sharp start to the season as well. Yeah, as Rocco Laguni streamed down the line, Worcester fans streamed to, to the exits, Tom. Would you be leaving a game if you'd got a ticket for the first time in 257 days? Would you be leaving early, even at 35-3 down? Yeah, it's not. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's not great, is it? I mean, I, yeah, I, you know, um, kind of, Kind of, kind of do feel for them. I guess that you know, it's not like they can just pile out into a pub either yeah. and, and drama sorrows. They'll get back on the motorway. So, um, yeah, uh, kind of, kind of feel for them now. <laughs> Tough day. I've got a theory, Tom, about Ben Spencer, who who you mentioned there. Um, and you know the game Jenga, where yeah. you get a, a big pile of um, pile yeah. of blocks and you take one at a time. I think with this bar team, you can sort of take little blocks out at a time. So you can take JJ out. You can take Watson out, the tower still stands. You can take Underhill out, the tower still stands. You take Falatau out, the tower still stands. Even Stewart, the towers still stand. But the moment you take Ben Spencer out of that tower, the whole thing capitulated and, well, capitulates. And I think Ben Spencer is becoming the Jenga piece of this team, Tom. He was fantastic again. And when he goes off in that last 20 minutes, we just can't get out of our... Um, of our half and I think he's proving to be so important without him kind of our whole game plan seems to to fall apart yeah I think like you say one of his strengths for sure is his box kick as as we know he's he's, he's kind of so effective and and so accurate um who knew as well he's he's pretty decent off the yeah. off the tee as well um I think you know um <laughs> <laughs> it, it does seem it does seem surprising that he wasn't um, he wasn't kicking um, ahead of um, friend of the podcast Josh Matavesi, but um, 
you know, there we go. Um, maybe, you know. And and Red Path to Touch as well, I think, needs to get a bit of credit. Yeah. Matavisi Matav- Matav- Scrub was no more, surely. Red-, Red Path was booming them. Yeah, but we know there's only one man for the cross-skate, but uh, yeah, I, I do agree. <laughs> yeah, Red Path, actually, we should say, I yeah. thought adapted really well. And, Fantastic. Um, he's, he's such a talented player. I, I, I do... I do question a little bit whether 13 is his best position. Um, I think particularly as he, you know, he showed at playing fly off. I think he's such a good distributor. He, you know, and, and maybe his defence is, is the, the less strong part of his game in this early stage of his career. I think it seems like to me inside centre would be Agreed. a more natural um, place for him. Um, but, you know, obviously, um, you know, Jonathan Joseph to, to come back and go into that 13 shirt. So maybe that is the intention. Um, but yeah, like I think massive credit to to both those guys for kind of stepping in and, and stepping up and, and, and managing that kicking game. Hmm. Um, you know, we, we kicked a lot. I think we had 25 kicks from hand or something like that, which is, you know, more than twice what, what Worcester did. So even with those guys off, you know, our two probably principal kickers from, from you know, in, in, in loose play, um, we still kind of, um, executed that part of a game pretty well so yeah yeah I, I thought Cameron Path was, was fantastic only absolutely right 12 does appear to be his best position and I think actually Max Wright came in and, and played some really good rugby so obviously got the, the, the try from an opportunistic drop but I think in defence he, he looked back to kind of yeah. that promising self so maybe that's a partnership that, that they strike up at some point in the season but all credit to, to Cam Redpath he, he was fantastic really really composed did a really good job of controlling that game I thought he was brilliant. Anyone else you, you kind of want to call out from the, the, the game, Tom? I think we've mentioned McNally and obviously Redpath there. Is there anyone else that, that you had in mind? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think the, the the front row boys were all all really good. The you know the um, scrum was pretty dominant throughout the whole whole period. I but, but you know, Abano and Tom Dunn, we're kind of used to seeing them put in those kind of performances and, and that kind of work rate. Um, spoke about Christian Judge a bit last mm. week, didn't we? Um, and I thought, you know, that was probably his best game in a bath shirt mm. so far. Um, he's, I think, been you know keen to get a bit of responsibility and to get trusted a bit in that that starting shirt. And I think he's deserved it, as I said last week. Um, so I was pleased to see him him come back in um, uh, into, in, into that position. I thought, you know, he he did a really good job. Um, Ethan Waller on the loose head side, you know, experienced guy, very canny, just kind of crabbing around the mm. the outside at times um, and I think not quite doing justice to how good a job Christian Judge was doing in the scrum so um, yeah really good um, good shift for him yeah, um, th- and yeah like, uh, you know probably won't see Will Stewart back for a couple of weeks mm. so I, th- I think actually on a different day with, with maybe different interpretations of the scrum rules Chris Judge could have won two or three penalties and, and we'd be talking about a really really strong performance so I think you're right there to, to point him out a guy I want to point out Tom is Josh Bayliss I don't have the stats to, to hand, so maybe you could uh, put a bit of meat on this bone, but I think he was absolutely fantastic. His work rate is brilliant in that team. I think he adds a completely different dimension to the back row, uh, particularly when you're playing Williams and, and uh, Mercer. I thought he was brilliant. And he moved into the centres, so they took McConaughey off on 67 minutes, brought Stadden on for his debut, yeah. and Spe- um, Bayliss was the man to move into that 12 shirt. An extremely mobile guy, so no problems there. I thought I thought he had a really strong strong uh, day on Saturday. Yeah, so 13 tackles, um, only, only one missed. Um, what was it? Six carries for for 19 meters, um, and yeah, a couple of couple of turnovers. And obviously that yeah. that yellow card as well. Wait, and I yeah. thought he was a bit unlucky that. Yeah, um, pace to get back as well. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, who's he chasing there? 
um, one of the worst backs, wasn't it? Yeah, fantastic yeah, but... effort from from Josh Bayless. Uh, yeah, I thought he definitely didn't deserve that that yellow card, and in the battle, I guess for that seven shirt when Underhill's not there between him and Miles Reed. I think over the course of these first three weeks, the uh, all three points in the rounds for me have gone with Josh Bayless. I think he started the season fantastically. Yeah. Um... Yeah, well, you know it's early days. Obviously, we haven't seen much of those guys. Um, mm. you know, I'm, 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 I'm a massive, massive Miles Reed fan, as you know. Um, maybe he's not quite back to to kind of full match fitness. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, it's certainly um, Stuart Hooper. Certainly, I think at the moment testing them both out a little bit with Sam Underhill away, mm. um, and probably you know making a decision in his own mind. Um, about who that number two guy could be. So, yeah, certainly worse problems to have, I think, if, mm. from our point of view. Yeah. Overriding thoughts then, Tom, about this game then, if you want. I think, for me, I thought it was a fantastic win. I really did think this was a good win. I think there were definitely issues with the defence. I think Worcester probably could have scored more points, but I really thought it was a great fight back in a way from those first 15 minutes for the way the game was going to have the 2,000 fans in attendance which definitely would have had a factor in that start Worcester made and to have the two uh, fly halves off coming off the back of two demoralising defeats I thought the way we stuck in that game and the way we came back to win it comfortably was to get a couple of tries at the end but that is a comfortable victory I thought that showed a huge amount of character, a huge amount of leadership and a huge amount of progress, I think. I don't think we win that game two years ago. And I think that, to win it with a bonus point, was was a really good effort. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you know, we obviously showed good resolve. Our heads could have dropped easily there. Yeah. We took our opportunities you know, just before half-time, for example, in, at key moments and we held them out at key moments. Um, and I think you know that ultimately came, I think, from um, you know our game management being... You know, far superior than than theirs, um, which is which has clearly come on a lot from from where it has been. I think maybe you're, you know, over. Am I, I think you're overegging us a bit. I think you know, 19 clean breaks. Yes. Yeah, um, against you know something like 550 meters or something that they they made. So a better side or even a better Worcester on the day um, makes yeah. our life very very tough. And if they score a couple of tries early doors it's 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 a tough game and I you know I, I remember at half time and I think I said to you just how are we 21 yeah. through 21 points to three up um very very strange obviously we'll take it and you know there are reasons that, that we were and we deserve the win particularly you know given the performance in the in the second half um but I'm a little bit concerned that um we might have been a, a bit lucky with just how easy they made made it for us mm-hmm. um I think, so, yeah. yeah, I think I'm maybe feeling quite positive about this game more than you are. But I think the adaptability we showed in the game situation was was really good. And, and we, we've alluded to that game against Wasp last season, Tom. And we didn't show it on that day. And we did show it today. And I think that was was really promising. Yeah, and it does show where we are relative to the competition, right? Worcester being a probably mid to low lower tier side mm. um, with basically you know they're basically full strength you know their guys that have been involved in England Ted Hill etc Francois Huard internationals are Weir we're, back as well. we're playing big Duncan Weir back as well um, and then you look at on the other hand the guys that we've got coming back Will Stewart Charlie Yules Toby Falatau Sam Underhill um, Jonathan Joseph Anthony Watson coming into that team and we're still beating them comfortably mm. um, despite the injuries we had. So it definitely speaks to, to where we're at. But I think when you, you know, I, I do think um, we potentially were flattered by the scoreboard and particularly mm. the scoreboard at halftime. 
Yeah, right. You mentioned some of those England boys, Tom, mm. and we might see some of them, and 2,000 lucky Bath fans might see some of them on Saturday afternoon in our first European outing against Scarlet. Can I just say before we do? Yeah. Um, it, crazy England game on the Sunday. Um, nearly went to a penalty shootout, which would have been um, would have been quite fun. Um, you know, uh, I think, yeah. Um, only ever seen one of those with, with Martin Williams, obviously. Um, Poor but, Martin Williams. But, yeah. Everyone remembers yeah, that one yeah, thing because yeah. Martin Williams. Um, but I just want to say, um, Will Stewart. Yeah. Um, predicted before anyone uh, on this podcast, G, didn't we? Or didn't I, should I say, that, that he'd be involved. Um, he had a great game when he came yeah. on. Sort of had a good 20 minutes, 25 minutes, I think, um, and stood up really well. Was... Um, yeah, very very powerful as well against what was a pretty beastly um, French French pack, um, and I think yeah he did himself a lot of favours and his stock has certainly risen off the off the back of that performance. So yeah, yeah massive credit to, to Will Stewart and hopefully with the internationals done now for a bit, hopefully that means that he has you know um, done all he needs to do to be kind of a permanent fixture mm. in that squad now. Yeah, I think his scrummaging is, is just so, so good. He won a key penalty in that game. Uh, and yeah, I, I agree, Tom. It, it was his best game in the England shirt, for sure. Uh, you, you ruined my segue into the Scarlets, but we're going to go with it anyway. And I think a lot is going to depend, Tom, on the, the, the fitness uh, of, of our fly halves and, the, I guess, the HIA protocols that they have to do. So I'm not 100% sure on the, the rules, but I think if they're showing no symptoms... Of uh, of concussion by Friday, they can then continue, they'll be evaluated each day, and if they get to Friday having shown no symptoms, they can then take part in Saturday. I believe that's the case, and if they do show symptoms, then they're ruled out immediately for another week. So, say they do uh, both show symptoms of HIs and are both ruled out. Our options then, I guess, become stick with Cam Redpath at 10 or turn to the kid, Lando Bailey. What would be your preferred option in that hypothetical? I think Bailey, um, for me. I think, um, you know, we need to stop making excuses to give him an opportunity. Uh, Cam Redpath's not um, a a first-choice fly half. You know, that's not his preferred position. Um, And so I think, you know, not giving Orlando Bailey a, a shot in his position um, you know, probably doesn't doesn't do him kind of a, a great deal of confidence. So yeah, I, I'd like to see him be given be given a start and, and and kind of see what he's got. Obviously, Cam Cam Redpath will be there to um, kind of take over and to play kind of to help him out in that first receiver role. Um, but yeah, I'd like to like to see him him given a given a go. I'd be very surprised if we see the Priestland or Matabasi to be honest. I mean, they both took pretty heavy knocks. Um, and we, you know, saw particularly Preston, and we saw them in the stands. Just love that um, shot of them both. They look pretty out. Yeah, actually, so. <laughs> I think Preston asked Matavesi a question. I think it took him about thirty seconds to respond. I don't think Preston really understood the response. Yeah, they definitely looked out of it. So yeah, I, I agree, and I think yeah, hopefully they are okay. Um, but it doesn't look good. And yeah, I agree. Landy Bailey would be my preferred option at fly half but uh we'll have to wait and see on that one we'll also have to wait i think we'll did ben spencer go off with a with a hia as well tom so he certainly went off on 60 minutes and it appeared that he was going off for a hia now he never came back onto the field but that doesn't necessarily mean he failed it i guess well stuart hooper was talking about the um, uh priestland and matavesi having gone off with hias and sort of the next steps and he didn't mention ben spencer which to me um 
you know, to me, you know, I would have expected him to have mentioned yeah. that, to be honest, if he'd failed it. Um, but he definitely went off, because I, I think the, the physio ran on and took Spencer off for H, for a HIA, and Spencer looked pretty disappointed to be coming off, so hopefully that just means that he passed it, and when those 10 minutes came up the way he could have returned, Hooper felt like the game was, was in hand, and we could... I guess, afford to, to keep Chudley on the field. That's what, I guess, is the optimistic look at that. Um, looking at the international players then, Tom, can we expect to, to have any of them back? I think yours is, is a given. Yeah, well, we were having a quick chat, weren't we, about yeah. this and, and going through the names. So, yeah, you'd expect Charlie Yule's back, I, 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 I think. Um, you know, Jonathan Joseph, obviously, already back with Bath, but he had a calf injury, I think, mm-hmm. didn't he? Yeah. Um, but I think he was expect, expected to be available, I think okay. I saw. Um, and then yeah, Anthony Watson, I guess, obviously not not played that much rugby um, and didn't, you know, wasn't I wouldn't say has been that involved in the games that he he has played to be honest. So maybe we might see Anthony Watson um, back as well. I think you know Sam Underhill, having played a lot of rugby in the way he plays, he's probably a bit more unlikely. But yeah. As we say, we've got a lot of cover in that position. Um, and then Will Stewart, you know, it's it's maybe kind of touch and go and how they want to manage him to be honest and also you know to what extent are they going to be prioritizing premiership over over champions cup because mm-hmm. uh, i don't know what you think but in, in my mind there will probably be have to have to be some sort of compromise made i think um, there's no way we can put out first choice side for um or anything near a first choice side really with the squad that we've got um until june next year so um, it's going to be very interesting on Friday to see yeah. um, what that 23 is, is is looking like, I think. And do we just assume now that, that Talupe Falatau won't be available for selection? Is yeah, that, I mean, that that that's kind of, unfortunately, that's kind of the story of his career at Bath, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, again, probably be surprised if he plays, given that I think he started every Welsh game, hasn't he? Definitely one to watch. And Talupe Falatau may be able to play against some of his countrymen so Scarlett's had five players playing for Wales on Saturday against Italy so Liam Williams the fullback obviously Kieran Hardy and Johnny Williams all started Wynne Jones the prop and Gareth Davis the, the substitute scrum half were, were both on the bench Scarlett's haven't actually played since the 22nd of November so they're going to be fresher oh, good. And, 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 <laughs> and I guess they'll probably have to have some of their internationals in as well uh, so we can expect a, a pretty strong Scarlett's team to come now how strong that team is compared to Bath I don't know they're third in conference B of the Pro 14 they've had three wins from seven but the team they've beaten a, a, a Benetton who they only just beat Zebra and, and Connett. No, Zebra they only just beat and Benetton and Connett. So they're not exactly in flying form. And I think this looks to be the easiest game in the pool that we have, Tom, at home against mm. the weaker of the three teams, obviously with La Rochelle away next week. Yeah, but, you know, I, I think so. I mean, yeah, like you say, looking down the, the side that's been playing for them in the, the Pro 14, a lot, of, a lot of young guys in there. Um, including Will Homer, yeah. who is um, who has gone over to play over, over there as well. Um, sorry, once of Bath, and of course Tom Homer, his brother, yeah, yeah. also once of Bath. Sione Calmafoni as well will be a familiar name to a lot of Bath fans. Played for both Gloucester and Leicester, so uh, he'll be reigniting that rivalry against the blue, black, and white. Yeah, so I think, like, like you say, it looks like they're kind of um, some been fielding some younger sides. Obviously, missing their missing their international. Uh, guys um, also I think you know with uh, a lot of the European teams Champions Cup is very much the 
the priority over over Pro 14. I would I would say um, we obviously a couple of seasons ago um, drew Scarlets, didn't we? Um, mm. and I think we lost. Um, we lost both. No, didn't we beat them? No, away, we beat actually? them yeah. away. Reese Friesen in a in a snooze fest, um, <laughs> uh, kicking sticks when it was absolutely lashing down, wasn't it? At Parker Scarlet. So they got to the um, semi final that year. Lost yeah. to Leinster. Yeah, you, you know, don't think they look as strong this year. I must say. No. So um, as I say, it will be interesting to see. I, I, I obviously I haven't seen the play um, play this season, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, you know they kind of ramp up their their selection a little bit for um, for for the weekend. Yeah, I think it it becomes an important game though if Bath do want to to get somewhere in Europe because as I said, this does look like the easiest game on the slate. Yeah, I don't know what you think. I just I think Premiership needs to be the prime focus this year. In, yeah. in my view, I think it's very difficult with the you know the the squad we've got only having you know what is it thirty eight players or something like that in the squad. Yeah, it's very difficult to to target both, particularly with the the volume of internationals we've got. Um, I think the way of our Stuart Hooper that I'd approach it is, you know, this is the easiest game. We haven't got anything to lose at this point, really. Um, so let's put out a decent side. We're relatively injury-free and see if we can get the result. Yeah. If things don't go our way, um, I think, you know, what we'll probably see is that um, some of the, the later games um, uh, against, against La Rochelle, um, uh, you know, obviously going away there the following weekend may not be the, the strongest sides. Um, I think yeah. you're in danger of spreading yourself too thin across both competitions and suffering um, in both as a result. And, and it's, go on. It's, it's frustrating though, Tom, because it seems like the internationals are only ever released for these European games. So I do just have the temptation of saying, well, we're going to play them, but clearly they, they need to have a certain amount of rest throughout the season. So Hooper needs to manage that a lot more carefully than, than kind of I would, would, would want to manage that. But... Yeah, it just frustrates me that we've got these guys back and we're straight into to Europe. And if we don't prioritise it and then they only play a couple of Prem games and they're back off with, with England, it just doesn't necessarily seem like we're getting amount value for money out yeah, of some more expensive players in our, in our thing. Yeah, that's just the curse of um, you know having a very talented squad and having the highest proportion of, of English yeah. players um, out of any team in the Premiership. In the Premiership, um, yeah. And, um, <laughs> huh? I think Sars has got eight of them. But in the Premiership, no, as in the highest proportion of English players in the squad. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, and also the highest, um, the yeah. highest number. So you know, um, England fans should be uh, should be should be thanking us. Yeah, a good note to end on, I think, Tom. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you are lucky enough to get a ticket to the wreck on Saturday, then enjoy it. Get in touch with us with uh, how it is. If we manage to get a ticket, then we'll definitely be letting you know or be tweeting from the ground. But uh, yeah, that feels like a little bit of a long shot, but uh, waiting with fingers crossed. Thanks for listening. As I said, please do follow us across social media at Bath Rugby Plug. Get in touch with your views there. Subscribe to the podcast in your feeds and share it with your mates. Please do share it with your mates. Um, We're doing this for the fans. Uh, The podcast is for you guys. So share it around and get the conversation about the blue, black and white going. Thanks for joining me again, Tom. And thank you for sticking behind the boys through thick and thin.